On your Wednesday episode of Locked on Raptors, OG Ananobi finally makes an all-defense team. We'll dig into why it was extremely deserved and why OG might be just the clear number one defensive player in the history of the Toronto Raptors. Plus, what does this mean for the summer and the Raptors' plans with OG going forward? All that and much more on today's episode. Thanks for hanging. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the first of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that cabbage out of here. What's going on? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Wednesday, May the 10th. Happy birthday, Dad! Uh, I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter, at WoodleySean. You can also go follow the show on Instagram, Locked On Raptors. And most importantly, join us in the Locked On Raptors Discord community, which is super fun. Like 50, 60 folks in there right now talking ball, whether it's the playoffs, Raptors stuff, trades, off-season machinations. It's all in there, and it's super fun, very friendly. Uh, you know, not the sort of angry disagreement you get in most other corners of Raptors internet, I'm finding. So come hang out. It's really fun. Even when you disagree, you disagree kindly in the Lockdown Raptors Discord community. It's a lot of fun. Jump on in, please. Okay, on today's show, we're going to get into the OG Ananobi news that he has won or made second team all defense. Didn't win. I guess you don't win all defense. You're sharing it, whatever. Uh, anyway, OG Ananobi is a second team all defensive player. We will dig into what it means for the Raptors going forward as it pertains to extension talks. Got a couple of listener questions, a couple OG tie-ins with those questions at the end of the show. And of course, off the top, we'll dig into just why it was so bloody deserved and overdue for OG to finally get recognized as one of the best defensive players in the NBA. He's been that for a long time, but it's nice to have it now on paper. You love that on paper. Uh, before we get into all that, though, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Game Time. Download the Game Time at app and enter create an account and use the code locked on NBA for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed with Game Time. All right, let's get to it. On today's show, like I said, digging into OGs. All-defense win comes down yesterday pretty comfortably gets onto the all-defensive second team, uh, beat out Mikal Bridges by like 50 voting points. He was very comfortably in that second team, didn't flirt with first team, and look, the first team freaking stacked. <laughs> like, Alex Caruso, Drew Holiday, very easy guard picks. Those were my guard picks as well. Uh, actually, I thought overall the voting was pretty damn good and pretty representative of the best defensive players in the league this year, so no real complaints there. Um, the forwards, you get Jaron Jackson Jr. and Evan Mobley. Uh, I mean, they're more bigs than forwards. You could make an argument that both should have been available at center on this ballot, and I think they might have been, um, but obviously they you can't not have Jaron Jackson Jr. on the first team. He's the best defensive player in the league, uh, per minute at least. Brooke Lopez got the first team center spot, and, you know, Mobley versus OG uh, is a debate, I'm sure, but obviously Mobley was the anchor of the best defense in basketball this season, so we'll give it to him. That's fine. And OG slides in there on the second team next to Dylan Brooks. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> I mean, 
Dylan Brooks can get paid by someone this summer. He's a very good defender, as much as all the other stuff that comes with him is a thing to be considered. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, this is this was an undeniable thing. OG was one of the best defensive players in the league this year. And I think if you kind of just look at the way the voting shook out, it seems like the league agrees he's just the best wing defender, period, in the NBA. And, you know, obviously Dylan Brooks has a say in that, made this all a defense team. But you look at the first team, yes, Drew Holiday's a wing defender. Yes, he can guard all over the place. That's very good. Um, but obviously more skewed towards the guards in that situation. OG guards everybody. And he does it at a position where, you know, he, he's going to have size disadvantages at times, whether it's smaller, quicker guys that he's trying to contain, which he does well, or bigger, bruising dudes, which he also contains very well, is what makes OG incredible. He is, I think, the best wing defender in basketball, and it seems as though the voting reflects that. Jaron Jackson Jr., Evan Mobley, they're bigs. Like, they're not wing defenders. Yes, they were forwards on the ballot, but that's just semantics. OG rocks, and, and you know, there's lots of different ways to get to the conclusion that OG's an all-defense player. Obviously, you know, a lot of those ways were taken by the voters here. Um, you know, there's the sort of the counting stats thing, led the league in steals both per game and uh, total. Like, that's that's awesome. Like, that's probably what gave him such a cushion over the guys behind him in the voting is, and the thing he's lacked in seasons past where he's not gotten all defense when, when perhaps it was deserved is he didn't have the counting stats. He, you know, a steal a game, that type of thing. Now he gets up to near two steals a game and is, you know, putting up four, five, six steal games kind of routinely. That's the stuff that's going to catch the attention of voters who are just simply not watching the Raptors play every day, which you can't blame them for that. You know, no one can watch every team all the time, but those counting stats really help when people are going through and the voting and all this. It's like, oh, well, the steals, he must be great at defense. Let's vote for him. That's just kind of the way it goes. So uh, very wise on OG's part to rack up the steals in that way uh, to set himself up to get this recognition. You know, you get a little deeper and nerdier with it as well. You know, Dunks and Threes, great website, has him as the third most impactful defender per 100 possessions in basketball this past year. 3.3 points added per 100 points or per, per 100 possessions on defense. Uh, that's behind only Alex Caruso and Dennis Smith Jr., who had a stealthy good defensive season when he was in there. Missed a lot of time injured-wise, but uh, really, really impressive stuff. Third in that metric. Obviously, all these metrics are different. They paint guys differently. You know, ESPN's defensive box plus minus doesn't paint a very good picture picture of OG at all um, that's probably tied more to you know those times where he was playing with those hemorrhaging points second units and all of that stuff um, you know the, the, all these numbers they come with their own you know good stuff and bad stuff and sort of the formulaic you know thought that goes into it um, but also crafted NBA another great site that I like to use a lot that sort of paints the picture of versatility in the NBA is uh, it paints OG wonderfully as well they have a versatility metric that also weaves in matchup difficulty to kind of create two numbers uh, OG finished fifth in the league per crafted NBA in matchup difficulty and 98 out of 100 was his versatility rating uh, you know he played everywhere the only guy on the you know sort of actually one of the only guys ahead of him in this metric was Scotty Barnes who had a 100 versatility rating which is very funny um, his matchup difficulty not quite the same height of OGs and if you run through all of the sort of guys who have the highest degree of versatility 
there's just no one that matches up eye test wise with what OG does defensively. Uh, you know, you run through the list. Scotty Barnes, number one in versatility. OG, better defender, basically in every facet than Scotty Barnes is right now. Maybe like a help side ring protection. Scotty's got him beat a tad, but we'll, you know, that, that's something to be mined for the future more than it is a strength right now. Nick Batum, obviously a very good defensive player, very versatile, but he's not going and bodying up Nikola Jokic effectively the way OG Ananobi does. Neither is Hamu. Diallo or even Jason Tatum who yes he's had some moments in the playoffs guarding Joel Embiid hasn't gone terribly well when that's happened not to say it would go well OG guarding Joel Embiid but you know that's something they've gone to in the past in a pinch and it's not been the worst thing in the world Dorian Finney-Smith Buddy Heald Aaron Neesmith round out the top eight or nine guys here in overall versatility and none of those guys are guarding all five spots. Yes, they can guard a few spots. You know, Neesmith, Heald, they'll go one, two, three. They're not very good defenders. But like their, their matchup difficulty is way low in this regard per crafted NBA. But, you know, they'll play all over the place. The, the, the Pacers, just because they only play guards, I think the numbers are kind of juiced up there because you have guards playing the four regularly for them. And so that kind of makes that number kind of pop a little bit more. Uh, but again, none of those guys are guarding the people that OG guards. No one in the league, I think, this season, you could say, had stretches of shutting down Trey Young and also shutting down or slowing down as much as you can slow him down, Nikola Jokic. But that's the spectrum of what OG does with his defense. It's unbelievable. And I do think this second team nomination, not that he needed it necessarily to prove it, but I do think this locks in OG as the greatest defender in the history of the Toronto Raptors. And look, it's not exactly a storied history of great defense. There was like 20 years there where they just didn't play defense at all uh, for, for, for any period of time with any of the rosters they had. They were all offense when they were successful. Most of the time, no offense nor defense. Uh, it was Raptors fandom for a long time. Um, obviously, Kawhi was the first Raptor to make an all-defense team. But I think if you watched that season... Yes, the reputation got him the votes there, but he was like the fourth or fifth best defender on that Raptors team. You had OG, Pascal was a really good defender then, Kyle was kind of at his peak, obviously Marcus All, Danny Green, like that was a stacked defensive team. Uh, Kawhi got the nod because Kawhi's the famous guy who's got the big hands and made, made no look interceptions of passes from Jimmy Butler, et cetera, et cetera. He's incredible, but I'd still take OG over. Raptors Kawhi uh, in like a single defensive possession, I think. And then you go back all the way, Marcus Camby, Doug Christie, like Keon Clark. These are the types of guys we're talking about as the best defenders in Raptors history. There was the stretch there. Obviously, you know, Marcus Saul is incredible. He, he was instrumental to winning the championship. He's on the short list as well. Um, I would say, you know, going back a little further, I mean... Patrick Patterson somehow like one of the better defenders the Raptors have had like that that's nuts it, it's been a pretty fallow period for defenders for the Raptors for most of their existence and OG comes out I think is the clear number one he's just so bloody good he's an absolute treat to watch on that end the way he can do it against any type of opposing player you know the thing about basketball is different guys have different skill sets and styles and it's supposed to create certain matchups where they find success I don't know if there's a single player who has found success against OG's style of defense. It's just all-encompassing and smothering. And yes, guys will get off and have their nights against him. Sure, they get hot, but it's not because they didn't work for it. It's not because OG let him get there easy. He's incredible and is an absolute delight. And this season, you know, we talked on Monday about the things that were sort of the best parts of this season. I had OG's kind of close to the year, which was very offense-focused, I think, the way he played off Yaka Pirtle, but... 
OG's defense, like start to finish this season, an absolute marvel. We haven't seen anything like it in Raptors history, and it's a super deserved second team All NBA nod for OG. Congrats, OG, and uh, we're gonna get into what it means now going forward. And you know, extensions. Does this factor into his potential extension this summer? I think it makes it a little bit less likely actually that the Raptors will be able to lock him into an extension this summer. We'll get to that and why OG should probably be part of the solution here if they can make it happen going forward and how I've kind of taken a 180 from the trade deadline to now with OG. We'll get to that, and I'll eat some crow in just one sec. Before we do that, however, got to tell you, better friends over at Game Time, and look, buying tickets to sporting events should be fun, exciting, and exhilarating, but oftentimes it's just way too bloody stressful. You're trying to find the right price. You're going through multiple apps trying to find a deal that works for you. All of it feels like it's marked up. Game time is the place for you to go to buy tickets for your favorite events in a stress-free way with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you're going to have. And all of these wonderful things come with game time. They have the game time guarantee, which means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less somewhere else, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. That is an incredible promise. You can get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect before you sit down and you can buy your tickets in a matter of seconds just a couple of taps and you're set tickets are sent directly to your phone so you don't got to do the thing where you dig through your email at the door holding up the line behind you either download the game time app create an account and use the code locked on nba for 20 bucks off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem the code locked on nba for 20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed all right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day. Thanks, as always, to the everyday listeners of the podcast. You are wonderful folks. And actually, I have a message to pass along from one of the wonderful everydayers out there. One of you, to all the other everydayers and sickos who love the show, is in need of some help and some support. Uh, Charlie Bender is a wonderful listener of the podcast. He reached out today. He is doing a walk for Crohn's and colitis, and IBD in general. Uh, it's uh, He was recently diagnosed has a piece, uh, let's drop the link in the description, um, digging into you know what the diagnosis has meant for him. And there is a walk going down later this, or sorry, June the 4th, that Charlie will be taking part in. He's looking for pledges. And uh, let's help out one of, our, one of our pals, shall we? I'll drop the link in the description so you can help Charlie and support his walk for Crohn's colitis and IBD. Shout out to Charlie. We love you, one of our everydayers. All right, let's continue on here with uh, OG Talk, shall we? The... Offseason now looms big with OG. This is something the Raptors got to get right, and it's just like another thing on their plate this summer that they've set themselves up with just with the way their contracts are structured, with the free agency they've got, the coaching firing. Like, they, There's a lot for the Raptors to sort out this summer. They're one of the most interesting teams in the NBA for all these reasons, and maybe you'd argue these are the wrong reasons, that you don't want them to be having to sort through all these things in a a more stable organization headed in a better direction, wouldn't have all this stuff to sort through. Again, I think there's a real-world chance that they figure it out and thread the needle and everything is looking fine in a few months' time, but also there's a chance that things blow up. OG factors into this big time. Obviously, not one of the pending free agents for the Raptors this year, but he is a pending free agent after next season as he'll be able to opt out of his deal. And that's, like, th- there's a lot to sort through here for the Raptors. Like, there's obviously the the, the plenty of rumors and, and scuttlebutt about, you know, is, is OG happy with his role in Toronto? Does he want to be here? 
I have an inkling that moving on from Nick Nurse will probably help smooth over a lot of that stuff. You get a new coach in, reimagine you know the the way the team plays. I think OG's fit down the end of the season, the role he had where he was just bloody efficient on like pretty decent usage, big part of the offense, not a, a fulcrum of it or anything like that, just a, a guy who could oper- you know be an opportunist and score off of the leverage of everybody else. That's really great. And, and I think, like I said on Monday when we were talking about OG's close to the season, like that's the optimized role for OG in the NBA right now, right? And, and obviously he's going to have higher designs, I'm sure, and, and want to do more as every player in the NBA probably does. Um, but like that is just such a peak version of OG that we saw down the stretch of the season that I would love if they could maintain that relationship and keep that version of OG just as the version of OG that we see over the next few years, obviously sprinkle in a little bit more in terms of on-ball stuff as he levels up and and all this stuff. I don't think he's ever going to be a primary apex predator wing uh, who's got the ball in his hands all the time, but you know, the odd flourishes of secondary creation, certainly possible for him as he is a walking paint touch. Uh, And you know, what happens when he gets to the paint a little bit dicier but certainly can get himself there because he's just stronger than everybody else um when it comes to his extension i think the all defense nod makes it less likely that the raptors will be able to lock him in this summer uh, of course with the new cba rules and the 40 percent increase allowable on extensions uh, as opposed to the 20 percent, which was the previous rule uh the raptors are gonna be able to offer og about 26 million dollars a year as a starting salary and that might come in a little below what his value is going to be um if you can get him on that Incredible. That's going to age as one of the best contracts in basketball as the cap goes up in the coming years, I would estimate. I just don't think you're going to be able to get him at that. If you can, amazing. You offer it to him this summer. The first second you can, you put it on the table and say, hey, OG, we love you. We value you. We wish you could offer you more, but or maybe you don't say that because that's poor negotiating, but here is the max amount of money we can give you. Obviously, there are rules and stuff, so we can't go above this, but this is the max amount of money please take it. Uh, like that's, I feel like the conversation that happens in the summer, I would guess OG and his representation probably want to ride this one out to free agency where he can earn more money. And there's no, obviously there's the regular, you know, 30% cap on what you can make of the cap or whatever, but um, you know, he'll be able to make more money than that 26 million starting salary. If he were to sign that extension, um, you know, that opens up if he doesn't want it, do you have to look at trading him? And that really scares me. Obviously, the deadline, I was tooting the horn. I think you should trade OG. I think you should trade him for whatever big offer comes in. You know, with information that came in, it doesn't sound like any of the offers that came while it's like, oh, Memphis offered three first round picks. It doesn't sound as though those were good first round picks or, you know, they were heavily protected, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, all this posturing goes on. We don't know what actually happened. You know, we just kind of get the the leaks that come out from either side. We don't know which side they come from, all of that. But it seems as though the offers weren't quite there to really kind of cash in and get the massive haul for OG that you thought you might be able to get. Maybe you can get it at the draft. I, that's the reason I wasn't super upset they didn't pull the trigger at the draft, at the deadline, was that the draft comes around, there are going to be a lot of very disappointed basketball teams that have just lost in the playoffs. And I think that's proving true and will continue to prove true as more teams bow out here. Um, Maybe there's a world in which OG at the draft fetches you a massive return from a desperate team. Or maybe he is used as part of a trade for a potentially disgruntled star. Jalen Brown. Um, You know, that's a possibility as well. Um, And so I think not trading him at the deadline for like a poo-poo platter of picks probably ends up being a good call here. 
not only because it creates more flexibility if they do want to trade him at the draft, but also because it keeps him on the team, which should maybe be just what they want to do. And maybe OG is just part of the solution here. Um, And the reason I say this, and, and look, I think what's most likely is the Raptors mostly run it back this summer, as disappointing as it's going to be for people. I think for the most part, they will run it back, and then with the more cost certainty they have on the roster, guys locked in on longer-term deals, they can kind of make their big decisions before next summer when the cap crunch really hits, when Pascal's new deal in theory comes in, OG's new deal, Precious's extension comes in, uh, if there is an extension or a new deal that comes by then. Um, So all that's kind of lingering there in 2024. You sign your guys, you bring it back this year, you use next season as a sort of last-ditch, figuring-it-out time see what Scotty Barnes brings in year three, see if you can, with a new coach, create something a little bit more harmonious than you had last year, and then you can make your big sweeping decisions on the core in a year's time. Um, That said, you know, maybe they end up having to make a call this summer. If if OG is inkling that he's, or hinting at not coming back or whatever, then that kind of forces your hand. Ultimately, I think if there are moves this summer, OG's like maybe the last one that should happen. And, And this is coming from me, the most devout Pascal Siakam supporter in the world who does not want to see him dealt, and I don't think he will be dealt, but I, I don't want to see it either. Um, but ultimately, I think if you are trading parts from this team, big core pieces, I think OG probably has to be the most untouchable outside of Scotty Barnes right now, and it's not because he's the most talented player on the team. And normally, I'm like fully on, keep the most talented guys here, but fit matters and OG's fit next to Scotty Barnes is impeccable. He fits next to anybody. And that's the thing is it's really easy to build a roster, build lineups with OG Ananobi. He can slide between the two and the four. Um, you know, he can play anywhere and he shoots threes. That's never going out of style. That's never out of place on an NBA floor. And so as much as I don't see any big sweeping trades coming this summer, I, I could see Maybe the Raptors looking at the fit situation and saying, hey, Pascal's the guy to move here. OG we keep because of the fit. I don't love necessarily keeping for fit, but OG fits because he's so unique and singular as a player that if you just traded that dude away, this was the thing going into the deadline as well that I was very mindful of and cognizant of. Like, you trade OG, there's a very real chance for the next 15 years you're regretting it badly. And I think the way he closed the season, the way he fit with Jakob Pertl, the way he just really popped, and 64% true shooting after the deadline, incredible. Like, the way he closed the year made me maybe renege on my thoughts that he should be traded as sort of the next move for this franchise to move forward. I think he's got to be part of the solution. He's really bloody good. And I think um, it was probably a little sort of like desperation sign of the times, the deadline's coming, you got to do something, like all those feelings that kind of went into thinking he should be dealt. Um, But with the benefit of hindsight, that might have been a really bad idea. (laughs) And have an OG trying to maintain that relationship, keeping it around long-term as a member of the Scotty Barnes version of the Raptors, I think is probably what you got to try to aim for here if you're the Raptors, because that's just a player you're not replacing. He's a one-of-one type of player, a singular defender, the best of wing defender in basketball right now, I think is a pretty fair assessment there. And uh, you trade that guy, not lightly, (laughs) I guess is sort of the way I'd put it. We're going to come back on the other side and get to a couple of listener questions. we got one on OG. we got a couple of uh, honorable mentions for the best things that happened this year as well. They got thrown into the Discord, so we'll get to that in just one sec. Before we do that, however, go listen to Locked On Leafs. Tonight might be the funeral for your Toronto Maple Leafs. Go and check out the preview of Game 4 and all that's gone wrong, the reflections on what's gone wrong with Locked On Leafs. Mike and Dave doing an excellent job breaking it all down. Go support Locked On Leafs wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. 
All right, let's close it out here. Listener questions came in from the Discord. Uh, always, the, the Discord's the place to go to get your questions answered, baby. Go do it. So, question here from Arthur08 asking, does having a new coach improve OG's chances of being back? I think yes. And he'll be back, I think, regardless. You know, obviously, he's got the year left on his contract. Maybe they trade him because he's an impending free agent, all that. But um, I do think the chances of OG kind of being reincorporated in in a, in a more prominent role or as prominent a role he ha- as he had to close the season just on a more harmonious and happy basketball team, uh, I think those chances are pretty high. I think it was pretty clear, it seems pretty clear right now, that things got really spoiled within the Raptors locker room by the end of the year. And I do think the Nick Nurse hire, firing is going to go down as like a pretty significant shift in the way the sort of locker room operates. I mean, obviously not in there, not seeing it all the time, but just kind of the inferences you get, the sort of the quotes, the sort of subtle between the lines stuff. It seems as though the Nick Nurse thing really soured by the end. And I think you just kind of get some fresh life in there, a new voice, and that's probably going to make things a little bit more copacetic with OG. You would hope, and hopefully the role he had down the stretch where he was like literally one of the very best role players, quote unquote, like a very much a star in his role, but one of the best role players in all of basketball, the type of guy who was going to be on very good teams that are playing deep into the playoffs for a very long time. Um, you know, that's he's, he's a guy who's on championship teams. That's the type of player OG is. Um, and I think working him back in, with a new coach, reimagining the team a little bit. Maybe there's a little bit more offensive creativity for him allowed. You know, we'll see. But um, I, I think that's going to make a pretty significant difference. So I, I feel better about OG's chances of being back now that the coaching situation has been changed. We'll see who they hire, obviously. Maybe they bring in just like a really mean person and uh, it doesn't go super well. But I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, next question here comes from Ben Chapman. And this ties back into our uh, talk earlier this week about the best things that happened this year. We were talking about Pascal Siakam, his first 10 games, and how that was like one of the highlights for me of the year. Uh, And Ben asks, is the pre-Dallas injury Pascal run the best stretch of play by anyone in Raptors history? That's a really good question. I don't think I'd go quite that far. Yes, he was basically in God mode. Yes, he was playing like a heliocentric monster putting up like what was it like 27 8 and 7 or something crazy like that 27 8 and 9 for a stretch he was unbelievable to start the year one of the better stretches in Raptors history for sure as far as overall production that might be you know it might take the cake I think I probably take DeMar DeRozan at the start of 2017-18 where he literally broke a Michael Jordan record or tied a Michael Jordan record for most 30-point games to start a season. Uh, That was pretty special to watch. That was an incredible DeMar season even though it ended up with him getting traded at the end of it. It was an amazing regular season for DeMar. I think he made second team All-NBA and it was super deserved. Um, There's the Kyle Lowry stretch. So not the same level of production as Pascal, but I think the stretch in the 1920 season, the title defense year, where Kyle is going ham with like a busted roster. I think Gasol's out, Siakam's out. They got a bunch of injuries they're dealing with. He's playing with ragtag crews. This features the game against Dallas where they come back from down 30 with 14 minutes left. Um, This features that whole sort of run through mid to late December into January where the Raptors only go like 500-ish, but they do it 
all because Kyle Lowry is saving their ass every single night and giving them a chance to be in it. Um, I think that, and then the sort of the stretch that comes after that, where the Raptors really get rolling, that was some incredible Kyle Lowry ball. Like one of my favorite Lowry seasons. I also think the stretch before he gets hurt in 2016-17, you know, obviously I think the January lull there uh, before they made the P.J. Tucker in search of Baca trades wasn't the best time for Kyle, but I would say like the start of that season, all the way through to when he got hurt, that was, I mean, he should have been an all-NBA player that season. He was unreal. The numbers, it's like his best statistical season by far, just got cut short by the wrist injury, and he didn't come back till later. Um, but yeah, Kyle, Kyle's got a couple of those stretches. I think you think back as well. I mean, I'm sure Bosch had some pretty crazy runs. Obviously, DeMar- Kawhi in the playoffs was just on another level of human existence that Siakam can't reach. But uh, yeah, that Siakam stretch really is up there. And honestly, I'd put last season's close to the year as well for Siakam right in the same conversation. He was incredible. Like, very good basketball player, as it turns out, Pascal Siakam. And uh, as much as I think that first 10 games was excellent, I don't know if I'd quite go as best stretch in Raptors history, but certainly on the short list. Um and uh, that, I believe, is going to do it for today's show. Thank you for the questions, Arthur and Ben. Uh, also, a big shout-out. Uh, speaking of Ben, uh, another member of the Discord noted, I think it was actually Ben, noted that uh, the Fred Van Vliet, Ben Taylor press conference was one of our great omissions on Monday's show, digging into the best parts of the season. That was unbelievable. It was the talk of the league for a hot second, and uh, anytime you can do swears at refs because they're bad at their jobs is, to me... Very cool and good. So very good pick there as well as a bit of a snub in the all defense, uh, sorry, in the uh, best things that happened this season conversation. With that, we'll leave the show there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Much appreciated. Again, the link is in the description. Please go and uh, help out our pal Charlie Bender, a a daily listener of the podcast who we very much love, who is taking part in the gutsy walk, the the walk that's taking place, I believe, in the York region on June the 4th uh, for Crohn's and Colitis Research. Go check it out. Support a fellow Locked On Raptors listener. We love our pal Charlie. All right, that will do it. Thank you very much. We'll be back again tomorrow. TBD on the topic tomorrow. But Friday, Raphael Barlow of Locked in NBA Big Board is going to be along. And we're going to start draft talk. We're going to dig into some of the guys available in that 13 range for the Raptors, focusing on guards mostly. Um, but, you know, Raphael's always got deep pulls as well as far as guys who very much are in the Masayu Jiri mold of player. player excuse me. So we will get to that for sure. Looking forward to that on Friday as we ramp up draft talk here on the show. And then Monday as well, you'll be able to tune in as Vivek, Sahal, and I dig into the over-unders for the season. Now that the all-defense teams are out, we can finally evaluate who was the best to pick in over-unders and props at the start of the year in our annual over-unders and props spectacular. Also with that, someone is winning tickets to a game next season. There's like 50 people who sent in their own submissions at the start of the year. I got to start grading those papers, baby, because the person with the best score at the end is going to win tickets to a game next season. And I am excited to hand those out as well. So Stay tuned. That'll be Monday for the over-unders. We'll figure out the who wins next week at some point as it's going to take a while to grade all those. But thank you so much for supporting the show. Thank you for uh, jumping in the Discord and being a part of our community in there. And thank you, as always, for uh, just hanging. We love hanging. Hanging's great. Uh, we'll, we'll talk soon. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you Thursday. Bye-bye. <laughs>